Welcome to Brit David Podcast, as we continue our walk through the book of Luke, as Pastor Tim shares a message from Luke chapter 9, verses 46 through 50, entitled, True Greatness. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Babe Ruth, Tiger Woods, Wayne Gretzky, Roger Federer, Pele. What do these men have in common? They are arguably the goats in their particular sports, the greatest of all time. It's what Muhammad Ali claimed for himself. He said, I am the greatest. Sounds exactly like Jesus' disciples in Luke chapter 9, arguing over which of them was the greatest. Here's Pastor Tim. Thank you very much. You can have a seat. Hope you have your Bible today. If you'll take it, turn with me to Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9. Seems like I've been saying that for a long time. Luke chapter 9 is a long chapter. And it is filled with some incredible things and some incredible adventures for those disciples themselves. In fact, if you recall, as the chapter opens up, Jesus gives to them power and authority. Jesus assigns them an evangelistic mission. Throughout chapter number 9, they finish and complete their very first mission trip. They get to, uh, they get to be participants in some of the greatest miracles that's recorded in all of Scripture. In fact, one of them is the one miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. There's only one. The feeding of the 5,000. That's happened in this chapter. Uh, them seeing the transfiguration. That's been a part of this great chapter. In fact, a part of this chapter has been Jesus asking the question, who do you say that I am? And them actually getting the question right. You know, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Chapter 9 has been filled with some mountaintop experiences. And then we get to this passage today. And suddenly the disciples show that they are Baptist. <laughs> I mean, in the midst of God doing some of the greatest work that God has done, we find them arguing. And we find them arguing specifically over who is the greatest. And here's the biggest problem about their argument. They don't have the foggiest clue what true greatness is all about. The world never does, though, does it? In fact, right now, the NHL is trying to decide who is the greatest team this season. The NBA right now is trying to figure out who is the greatest team this season. The, the college baseball, the college softball, both of them trying to figure out who is the greatest team this season. Here's one of the problems with that. That's this season. <laughs> you know... They weren't the greatest last season, in all likelihood, and in all likelihood next season, they're not going to be the greatest again. What we discover is, is that the world has a very fickle definition of what it means to be truly great. And because the world limits greatness to the things that they can see and the things that they can do, true greatness is never going to be true. You can't have true greatness and it not be about the things that are spiritual and the things that are eternal. 
The world is consumed with the things that are earthly and the things that are temporal, and they will go to battle over what is or who is the greatest for the particular moment. We sell ourselves so far short. I love this quote by John Piper. He says, if you can't see the sun, you will be impressed with a streetlight. If you've never felt thunder and lightning, you'll be impressed with fireworks. And if you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, you'll fall in love with a world of shadows and short-lived pleasures. That's the truth, isn't it? We sell ourselves so far short of what God has designed for us. And in the midst of our very small world that we have created, <laughs> we think that we know what greatness is all about. Greatness is never going to be rewarded with trophies. And it's not going to be found in many of the places that you expect it. As Jesus begins to talk to these disciples about true greatness in the midst of their arguments... There's some specific things about true greatness that I want to talk to you about today. Three specific ideas about true greatness that I think that we all need to know. For example, number one, I want you to see today that true greatness is elusive. It is elusive. Verse number 46 begins right where we are today. It says, Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be greatest. Now, let me, let me take a minute and just mention this to you. It does not say which one of them will be greatest. It says which one of them would be greatest. Will be greatest is like we're talking about the NBA or like we're talking about national championships. I mean, they're here for now, but then they're gone. If they're talking about who will be the greatest, then what they're saying is somebody else is probably going to come along and be greater later. You know? There is an elusiveness to that kind of greatness. But they're interested in who would be greatest. Who's going to be considered the greatest? If you recall, James and John's mama got involved in this very same argument. She comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I want you to do something for me. When you get into your kingdom, I want you to let my boys, one of them sit on your right hand and one of them sit on your left hand. What she's saying, she's saying, I want them to be greatest, not just for now. I want them to be recognized as greatest from here on out. And Jesus said, you don't, you don't know what you're asking. That's not, that's not how any of this stuff works. Instead, Jesus is going to share with his disciples here how these things do work. True greatness is elusive, which is why they're arguing about it. True greatness is not found by searching for it. True greatness is not found by trying to attain it. True greatness is not attained by achievement, by what you do. See, true greatness is not about doing, it's about being. 
So it can't be marked simply by a milestone or an accomplishment or something maybe that you can grasp. As these disciples are arguing about these things, they're arguing about something that they really know nothing about. And so they have to go at it, I mean, the same way that the world does. You know, we, we've tried to imagine a little bit what the conversation was like as they went up the Mount of Transfiguration. We tried to figure out what the conversation might have been like as they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Imagine what this conversation sounded like. You know what it sounds like. Especially when a group of guys get together and they start talking about all the things that they've done. You know, maybe it starts off with them talking about their mission trips. And they're talking about the one that says, you know, hey, we went on a mission trip. Man, we, we, saw, we healed this guy on our mission trip. And we did this and we did that. And so somebody else has to come along and say, well, when we went on our mission trip, <laughs> we cast out a demon. And then we did this and we did that. And then somebody else has to say, well, we did this and we did that. And then we did this and we did that too. We did all these. So what do we do? We continue to try to up one another, don't we? We try to make ourselves better than the other with our stories. What are we searching for? What are we grasping for in that? We want somebody to recognize the greatness of our own accomplishments. It doesn't work that way, does it? You know, maybe, maybe Peter, James, and John say, well, you know what? We got to go up on the Mount of Transfiguration. <laughs> we got to see the glory that was revealed, you know? And, uh, and, and then somebody says, yeah, well, while y'all were up there on top of the mountain, we were down here with the crowds, you know? And then they say, well, you did a good job of that little demon-possessed boy, I'm telling you that. You know, I mean, they're constantly bickering at one another. You know, Peter thinks he's going to drop the mic by saying, yeah, well, when Jesus said, who am I? I got the answer right for a change. You know, and then, and then, of course, Peter, I mean, James and John are going to point out and say, yeah, but Jesus said that uh, you, did, he did, you didn't get that from yourself, that the Father revealed that to you. You know, and then they high-five one another because they think they finally got Peter. What they're trying to do is to tear down somebody else that they might exalt themselves. You know what the Bible says about that? The person who exalts himself will be abased. But the person who humbles himself will be exalted. Listen, we have got to get away from the idea that greatness is defined the same way that the world defines it. If greatness were simply about accomplishments, then we would go on forever and forever exaggerating what we do minimizing or even criminalizing what somebody else does. And here's something that you need to know. When it comes to worldly greatness, the mark always moves, doesn't it? I mean, the, the level has to move. You know, at, at some point, there were some of you in this room that you thought, Roger Maris's record will never be broken. But it was. Some of you can remember when running a four-minute mile was unheard of. Nobody will do that. And yet they do consistently. Nobody will swim the English Channel. And yet they have. 
The mark continues to move because we're talking about things that are temporal. We're talking about things that are earthly. That's not how the Christian life is to be lived. It's not how the Christian life is to be organized. It's certainly not the way that the Christian life gets graded, if I could use that word. Greatness is not going to be found in what you do. And as long as you think that that's greatness, even in church, you're going to find true greatness to be elusive. one hand, true greatness is elusive. On the other hand, true greatness is conclusive. It's conclusive. Is there really a conclusive answer, a conclusive definition of true greatness? Can an athlete give that to you? Can a CEO give that to you? Can your hero or your idol give that to you? Can Webster define it properly? Greatness cannot be defined with a worldly, depraved dictionary. Because it's always going to use the basis of accomplishment. It's always going to have greatness in relationship to the things that are temporal. And the things that always move. There's only one person who is qualified to define what true greatness really is. And that is the great one. The great I am. Jesus the Christ. We even learned to pray it when we were little. God is great. God is good. Right? So in the midst of who He is, He gets to define that for us. Look, if you will, in verse number 47. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, time out. You look at that verse, it's not just that Jesus is overhearing the conversation. Surely he, he, he overhears the conversation. He knows what's being said from one disciple to the next. He can see and tell where this argument is going. But deeper than the words is the meaning behind them. Deeper than what is spoken is what is felt. More than what they say is the attitude of their heart. Jesus sees through all the bragging. Jesus sees through all the trophies. He sees the hearts of each twelve of these men. In the same way that Jesus perceives the thought of the hearts of these people, Jesus can perceive the heart of every person in this room. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim shares the conclusion to the message from Luke chapter 9, verses 46 through 50, entitled, True Greatness. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, 
Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.